It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by DoorDash. Long day at work, stuck at the office? Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 500 and nice of Locked On Raptors for uh, Tuesday, September 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. It's deeply appreciated. And you can also find all of the Locked On podcast offerings on that same network. You can find the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Show with Josh Lloyd if you're looking to get ready for your drafts coming up. The season is less than a month away now, so you should be getting your research in, and Josh Lloyd has you covered. He did team previews for all 30 teams in the NBA. I was on one of those, half an hour on each team, so no better way to get a lot of content in your ears, fantasy basketball related, than with Josh Lloyd's team previews. If you are a football fan, you can check out the Locked On NFL shows as well. And of course, the NBA shows with media days coming up pretty soon here. We'll be kicking into high gear once again. Uh, I'll be back to daily. I think I'm probably just going to do daily this week, and we'll get obviously daily next week after media day starts, and then it'll be daily all the way through to the end of the season. And also, if you're an NHL fan, if you are looking for locked on NHL shows, guess what? They're coming your way starting on Monday, September 30th. There will be uh, not quite all of the teams covered just yet, but I'm working on it. I am overseeing our expansion into the NHL on the Lockdown Podcast Network, and we've got a dozen or so shows lined up right now, and so you can check out a bunch of teasers uh, around. I've been retweeting those if you want to follow the hosts and all that good stuff. And there will be lots of NHL content for you next week, too, to get into the NHL season with. All right, let's get to the meat of today's podcast. Joining me to talk about my ranking of every single Raptor version 2.0 at RaptorsHQ.com. You can go read that now. You probably should go read it now if you're going to listen to the podcast. Uh, It's one of my more recent tweets if you want to do that. But if you don't want to, that's fine. We're going to talk about it here. Uh, joining me for the second straight year to break down my rankings and yell at me about the things I got wrong, it's our pal from Raptors HQ. It's Dan Grant. Dan, how are you, pal? Doing very well, Sean. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm feeling energetic. I'm feeling rejuvenated. I'm feeling ready to talk about basketball once again. I watched Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals today while I was doing some work at home, and that sure reinvigorated me and got me ready for the season. So, uh, yeah, I'm ready to go, man. Let's uh let's dive into these rankings, shall we? Sure. All right. So I guess we could start up at the top. I don't know. How do you want to attack this? Was there anything that you had like a glaring issue with? There's there are bigger picture things you'd like to talk about. I'm kind of letting you run the show here since you are the one critiquing my work. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, we did this last year, and there were definitely some ones where I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> I think you've uh, made some uh, incredibly. Uh, uh, 
reported course corrections. I mean, you even wrote about a couple of them. Uh, dropping Vincenzo Esposito about 50 spots. <laughs> yeah, that was needed. Uh, one. Um, and I, I appreciate that you just owned up to it. And you were like, I just remember his name and thought he was an important early Raptor. But he actually, he was just trash. <laughs> Shot 23% from three in the mid-90s. Like, that's pretty pretty rough so i think you actually this list is much much stronger than your previous list not that the other one was bad but this one's like pretty close to perfect i think <laughs> um so you know as close as you can get when you're you know ranking antonio lang versus chris garner uh, you know the important questions <laughs> yeah exactly the deep stuff uh uh two names that i just read and i still like i've read this list a couple of times and don't know those names at all it feels <laughs> like i just read them for the first time so uh, and I'm a massive, obviously, Raptors fan, and I've been for a long time. Um, a couple, so I wanted to ask you, yeah, when you into ranking, and again, kind of back to that point, when you're ranking such minutia, such like you know guys who might have played like 20 games with the Raptors, like how, how do you rank, you know, a Robert Archibald versus a Derek Dial? Like <laughs> what goes into making that decision? So, look, I know with the dunk-donification of NBA conversations, there's probably a way more scientific way to rank every Raptor in history, and I appreciate that. I also don't care about that, and I kind of went with, for me, sort of gut feels on a lot of things, and, you know, when it came down to guys who had played, like, four games with the team, I would just kind of compare their efficiency and stuff like that, and if someone shot, you know, a random 58% in their four games, I'd say, hey, that guy's better than the guy who shot 24% in his five games, you know what I mean? So I would take, like, very small sample efficiency into account, but then a lot of it was just, like, guys who I felt had more sort of name recognition now as, like, if you're a Raptors fan talking now about about the former guys on the team, I feel like more people would remember, say, Robert Archibald than... I, I, did I rank Archibald higher up or like with a better ranking than Derek Dial? Or no, I didn't. Uh, they're very close. Oh, yeah, they're I think they're like back-to-back, yeah. So, like, there, there's certain guys... I mean, for example, one of the guys who I ranked pretty high, which maybe is not so, like... It probably shouldn't be there, is, like, Derek Martin. Derek Martin wasn't good at all, but he had that one three that everyone cared about where he kept the stupid streak alive. And so that boosts his standing probably by, like, 30 points because you probably remember him a lot more than you remember, say, I don't know, Damone Brown or Cornell David or any of the other guys who are near, like, the 200 mark in the rankings, right? So that was a big part of it. It's just sort of name recognition and, like, did they do something significant or interesting in their very small time with the team? Because... Let me tell you, there's 230 guys, or 200, I think 30 total. Uh, yeah, 230 after I include Al- Alonzo Mourning and Kenny Anderson, who did not play for the team. So there's actually 228. There's like maybe 100 guys who actually had a substantial run of time with the team, which leads to a lot of guys ranked pretty high that it, it's kind of surprising. Um, like Greg Monroe, I put at 117. He played 38 games, but it's like he kind of played a lot more. It was more important than pretty much 100 guys who ever played for the team. So um, it's really tough to sort of split those hairs. So for me, it was a lot of, um, you know, did that guy have name value? Did that guy have, like, one instance where he was memorable? And also I got sometimes in little runs where I'd, like, rank together a bunch of guys who played the same position, like Omar Cook, Milt Palacio, Roko Ukic. They're all together. Omar Cook probably should be worse than those guys, but he's a guy I remember because he had one little stretch in one game at the end of the season where I was like, hey, that's the future point guard of the team. And so I put him a little higher, but he should also be probably a lot lower. Um, So, yeah, it's not scientific at all. It's mostly just a gut thing and sort of going off of... 
if you were talking to a Raptor fan, would they be more likely to remember this guy ahead of the guy before him? And that kind of goes for the first 100 or 130 or so, and then the rest of that, it's a little easier to rank because they actually have longer times with the team. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. So what I wanted to the, the kind of answer to my second question, which was when I'm in that, you know, 150 to 200 range, does novelty come into it at all? Mm-hmm. And obviously, from what you said, that it does, because, you know, if a guy has a moment or something that they remember. Um, so that'll bring me to my first uh, my first beef, Okay. Uh, which is not, not a major beef. It's just looking at uh, my our, our favorite uh, adult son, Bruno Caboclo, mm-hmm. who is at 155 and might be the most novel Raptor of the last, like, 10 years when you just consider novelty. Now, again, you are did mention you're also considering statistics. Um, but for him to be ranked 155, uh, and then a guy like Michael Curry, who's 161. Now, I hated Michael Curry when he was on the Raptor. <laughs> he might have been my, my least favorite Raptor of all time because he could not shoot. And when, I, when he was on the team, which I believe was in the uh, 2003-04 season, Mm-hmm. Uh, they put, I thought they were playing him way too much. He started 15 games even, and he was this guy who'd been a defensive guy from the 90s and was just like the least fun guy to watch ever. But he played 70 games and he started 15. Mm-hmm. So for him to be you know on the team and you know a significant part of the team kind of for one season and for Bruno to be ahead of him, I, I wonder how you weigh you know a guy who actually played versus that novelty. Obviously for Bruno that put him ahead. But then if you look at a guy like, I don't know, Mikko Petrus mm-hmm. or Mamadou Nide, I'm probably saying that it's wrong. It's Mamadou and Jai, but it's okay. Nide, okay. So <laughs> those guys never, they barely played for the team at all. And mm-hmm. they're both ahead of Bruno and ahead of Michael Curry. <laughs> so it's just one of those things for me where I'm trying to decide. I think if it was, if I was going to fix, not fix, but change a couple of things, I would kind of put those guys with the novelty a little higher. But maybe with Bruno, that's recency bias. Yeah, the thing with Bruno is that he played so little with the team that it's really hard to justify. Like, he played 25 games in three and a half seasons. And he really only had one memorable game. And most of his sort of, like, memorability was tied to his G League performances, right? Like, he won the G League Finals MVP. And I tried my best, and I got into trouble with this last year when I got way too into the idea of Lorenzo Brown, G League MVP, and put him at, like, 131. When Lorenzo Brown, if you recall from the start of the season was the bane of everybody's existence and like right. people were freaking out on Nick Nurse because they were he was getting played in actual crunch time minutes and people were losing their minds because he was not very good and would refuse to shoot and Bruno's numbers across the board I mean his field goal percentage was 26.2 he averaged 1.1 point a game in his uh, 25 games with the team they were so minuscule and his contributions really were so limited to that one game against the Bucks. When he came right. in, I think, in his first ever NBA game and scored eight fourth quarter points. And that was kind of it. And so yeah. I just, for that reason, I couldn't quite rank him super high on the novelty. I mean, he scored 10 total points in his first season, and eight of them were in that one game, right? Like, it was just, he was so, so, 
just not a part of those teams in a meaningful right. way. And I think in hindsight now, seeing him kind of pop off a little bit and still seeing the commercials on NBA.TV or NBA TV, yeah, sometimes maybe the, the novelty seems like he was more important than he was, but there was just so little imprint he left on the actual on-court product that I couldn't yep. rank him much higher. If I went back and, like, I also, like, he was also a bugaboo in a bit of a spot I got stuck on re-ranking because I didn't really want to bump guys up too much who hadn't done anything. I was happy yeah. to drop guys down who I'd screwed up with their ranking, but or guys who, in hindsight, with the color, uh, with, with, like, sort of the comparison of actual reliable role players as we'll get to with Patrick Patterson a little later maybe like those guys drop in comparison to what they used to be because that's just okay no that's what a real role player looks like Patrick Patterson obviously is worse than Danny Green and all these other guys here Bruno Caboclo just like he didn't quite have enough juice to jump up for me to make like sort of go against what I wanted to do with the rankings and he just did so little with the team I I couldn't justify anything higher than 151 when I originally ranked him now 155 that's fair so I want to then just mention I completely agree with everything you said I think that's all very you know valid but if you look at a guy like so 170 Eric Montrose and again 161 Michael Curry they're behind guys like Bruno who Mm -hmm. barely played and then also uh, Mamadou who we mentioned earlier uh uh Jared Sullinger, who played 11 games for the Raptors, <laughs> and Dan O'Sullivan, who played... Dan O'Sullivan's Raptors career was five games. He had good numbers in those games, though. Like, he put up, he like, started, five points a game, which was games, much higher than all those other guys. <laughs> yeah, Michael Kirby started 15 games and played 70 games. I Jared feel like... For two seasons. I feel like a big reason why Michael Curry got ranked so low is because I'm pretty sure I've heard you talk about how much you hated him before. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and and that's I think fair. I also... There was a couple times where I'd sort of run stuff by, I think, you and, like, Dan Reynolds because you guys were kind of there during the early days where I wasn't so much. Um, Although Michael Curry is my time, too. Like, I remember Michael Curry on the team. Uh, But just, like, talking to people about him, there was always just these, like, eye-rolly negative reviews of Michael Curry. So I think that's kind of where he got built in. And and his efficiency – there's part of it, too, where, yes, like, he played more games, but he was so goddamn bad in the many games he played that he was actively – like a deterrent to the team, and like it was, a, it was a net negative. The same as like Hafa Ruja was. Like he was with the team for a few years, but he was yeah, so sure. ungodly bad that he's clearly in the two hundreds for me because he was just a bad at basketball and b damaging to the franchise as a whole because he was not Andre Iguodala. And then with Michael Curry, he wasn't necessarily damaging from a draft perspective, but him playing seventy games and starting fifteen actively made that team significantly worse. That's fair. I just don't know if I could put Dan O'Sullivan ahead of him. <laughs> also, my Irish background, I, you know, and the name Dan, which I respect. <laughs> he played five games. Like, it's just one of those things where if, if it was me, I think that guy would be back in the 200s. Now, you're right, though. Looking at Dan O'Sullivan's stats, he somehow played in those five games. He averaged like 28 minutes a game, which is absolutely absurd. Also, but, um, you've been slagging yeah. Mamadou and Jai. He started eight yeah. games for the team, and he played That's 30, true. and he averaged... Yeah. Almost over a block a game. I'm just saying that it's weird to me that he would be ahead of guys like Montrose and Curry, who are actually you know part of the team uh, and that put or active part of the team. Although it does make sense to me now that you're mentioning 
the way you, you mentioned Ivo Curry, you know, that the fact that his presence on the court made the team actively worse. Yeah. Fair enough. That, that's yeah. something that I can, I can get behind. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to bring that up. That was no, I'm not, you know, I wasn't saying that you should change it necessarily. Just like I wanted to bring it up. That's fair. No, I, I'm worried. Uh, I have like this uh, nagging fear that you're talking me into a corner I won't be able to get out of, but continue. <laughs> so, I would say Hakeem Olajuwon at 94 mm-hmm. uh, is a little high, just because, and this might be something that, again, I'm a little older than you, um, he was so wildly disappointing when he came. <laughs> um, I know Hakeem Olajuwon, he's one of like the best like seven or eight basketball players who's ever walked the earth, and we knew he was old, we knew he was washed up, but everyone was so excited for those Vince Carter teams, and they're like, we're going to get him, and we'll have him in the middle, even if he doesn't play, you know, a ton. There was, like, low expectations, mm-hmm. and it was like the bar was on the floor. All he had to do was step over it, and then he got here, and he wasn't even able to do that, actually, physically. Like, he couldn't move. Yeah. So, it was uh, it was really, really disappointing. So, But again, you're right. Like, if you look, and you're like, oh, is, was, but was he better than Chris Humphreys? I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> right? so, <laughs> That's the um, thing is, like, until yeah. you get to, like, the 80s, all yeah. of the guys barely played with the team. Like, yeah, yeah, it's true. It, it's just there's not that much in the way of guys with, like, I, yes, Olajuwon was disappointing, but can I possibly rank him, like, like he was better than Quincy AC, who played just barely, and he's at one ten. Like, I do appreciate that you put Ben Uzo ahead of him. <laughs> yeah, I look, man. I have a soft spot for Ben Uzo. Uh, yeah, and I, no. if you read the the post from yeah. last year, there's a whole big reasoning for it, and it has to do with Terrence Ross because um, <laughs> he because big surprise. It, yeah, him <laughs> screwing up the lottery odds actually ended up the Raptors getting Terrence Ross, which ended up with them right. getting Serge Ibaka, who. Uh, is I mean, really, if someone deserved a bump, it's probably Ben Uzo because uh, Serge Ibaka <laughs> is a playoff hero now. That game seven yeah. three against Ben Simmons in his face, where he struck a pose, is the second biggest shot of game seven, and yeah. he's a treasure. So maybe Ben Uzo should be in the thirties. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he should be number three. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way, he's really he's the savior of the franchise. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal. Uh, similar yeah. reasons to Hakeem. Yeah, uh, I know he played more, but and it maybe wasn't his fault because he was hurt. But again, wildly disappointing. Uh, I think everyone thought that when he came to town, him and Bosch were going to do the Duncan David Robinson thing, and he mm-hmm. was going to be willing to play center and play inside. And he was not. He was uh, willing to be the exact same player as Chris Bosch and demand the ball in the perimeter and you know, act like he was three years younger, four years younger. And that was uh, a huge disappointment, you know, having him ahead of, I mean, I know Scola was maligned when he's here, but I love Scola and I hated Jermaine O'Neal. So uh, having him back, I would drop him like maybe 10 spots, but again, that's fine. Yeah, see, uh, my, my thing with Jermaine O'Neal is that I don't really know if his struggles with the team were as much related to him as they were just why the hell would they go get him to begin with? And, like, that oh, feels like it's more hard. of a Colangelo and then also Sam Mitchell thing. And I think he got hurt that year, too. Um, he did. And maybe I'm just sort of thinking back to how excited I was when they got Jermaine O'Neal, and that's coloring his yeah. maybe favorable ranking. But uh, I don't think he was necessarily that bad. And, again, at 73, there really aren't that many guys behind him who played as many games as he did, the 45 or whatever he played, and then yeah. had yeah. similar to those, like, counting stats. Like, at some point, that has to matter, too. That does matter, and that's fair enough. 
I just no, I would just drop him back five or five or so spots. There's a couple guys behind him that I like, like yep. uh, Lamont Lamont Murray, <laughs> etc. Lamont Murray's my NBA 2K4 hero. <laughs> uh, so I love him. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, oh, this was my biggest beef for the whole time. Because mm. uh, I think at the top of the list, the further up you go, I think the, the tighter you, you really kind of knocked it out this time in a really good way. Um, but Sean Marion at 81. Like, mm. put, put him down with put him down with Alonzo Mourning. Please. Like, <laughs> he's just such a piece of trash when he was here. I love Sean Marion. I thought he was a great you know player for Phoenix all those years. I think he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, he's kind of a really, you know, fringe kind of a test candidate for that. Mm-hmm. But he was a disaster in Toronto. And that's on the other half of that Jermaine O'Neal thing. I get that he didn't want to be here, but it was pretty obvious that he didn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, not an enjoyable time to be a Raptors fan. So having him in the top 100 is just, it's pretty rough. I, and again, I appreciate, you know, there's not, you know, 80 and back. It's, it's pretty thin, thin pickings, but if we're talking about novelty and off the court stuff, like you know, I I think you could throw a pretty severe penalty at Sean Marion. That's fair, and perhaps in future rankings I'll consider that. Uh, I do think he had like a couple sort of record-setting games, which uh, factored in for me a little bit. I gotta pull up his game log here, but I'm pretty sure he had a couple like lines that no Raptor has ever put up before, and I guess that's what you get with Sean Marion because he was so unique. Um, but like he wasn't. I, I know he didn't want to be here. I don't necessarily think he was entirely mailing it in. He... Uh, fair enough. Yeah, like, he wasn't, like, trying his best, but who was on that team? It was kind of a nightmare team, right? Um, yeah, no, that's true. And it just reminds me of a bad... More than, honestly, the feeling that it gives me to see his name as a Raptor. <laughs> more than anything, like, tangible. I just yeah. like, feel like you should be lower, but th- that's fine. He did have uh, some pretty good games. He finished the season off in the last game of the year with a 34-11. and 11. Uh, on 15 that. of 18 shooting, and then yeah. he had a 25 and 15 the game before. The yeah. Remember, yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to ask you a question about some of the guys I moved around from last sure. year, sort of guys who played on the team, maybe didn't finish the season with the team. Uh, CJ yeah. Miles is the one I want to ask about because he's right here um, where we are at the list. I can go to some of the lower guys as well. But CJ yeah. Miles, did I drop him enough? Did I drop him too far? I, he was at 70 uh, yeah. last year, and... All the guys around this range suffered a three-spot default drop just because of the guys in front of them and whatnot. Um, right. But C.J. Miles suffered a six-spot six drop from 70 to 76. Uh, I kind of baked in his really, really bad season last year where he could not hit a three to save his life and the bench mob fell apart kind of as a result. Um, the go daddy curse and all that stuff. Do you have a problem <laughs> yeah. with where I put C.J. Miles? No, no, it's fine. CJ's such a nice guy. That's what I, yeah. I felt so bad. He's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like, he he will always be, even though he didn't wind up on, you know, the championship team, he's always a part of that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, the lead up to it. And even though he may be, when I think about CJ Miles in 10 years, I'll probably be like, hell of a three-point shooter, you know? Like, Hit that 1-3 against Washington in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, if you look at his percentage, is decent, even like his overall time. 110 games of the team. 
I think he's fine where he is. Uh, you know, around guys like Capono and Lamont Murray, Allen Anderson, like those are those are Kleza even. Those are guys that um, Bellinelli, yeah, that's that's the right spot for him. I think that I think that was good. I think you did it was good to drop him. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would hope that many future Raptors will wind up ahead of him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, that, that's the right spot for him. I think that was good. I think that was a, a, a an astute one. Uh, I want to just also uh, compliment you for your dedication to Pedro Stoyakovic. Yep. Um, Greatest PR and team history. Wrong. You spelled his name wrong. <laughs> Did I actually? Yeah. No. I just noticed it right now. No. Pedro Stoyakovic. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll just call him Stoyakovic from that. Oh, that honestly sounds a little more menacing. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to go edit that after we're done this podcast. Uh, <laughs> you can edit this part out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. This is all about uh, pointing out where I've gone wrong. And uh, spelling Peja Stokakovic's name wrong is, uh, I, I is wrong. I just noticed this as I was looking yeah. at it. So, But, uh, no, I, I appreciate your dedication to having him there. And, again, I love novelty. So it's great that, <laughs> it's great that he's there. Um, um, I want to ask you before we get to some of the guys higher up. Uh, uh what were your thoughts of how I ranked the sort of end of benchers on the championship team? So, uh, factoring guys who played at the start of the year and then end of the year, um, all encompassing. The lowest one I had ranked of all the end of bench guys was Eric Moreland at 207, uh, most yeah. famous for screaming at Josh Lewenberg in the locker room. Uh, <laughs> at 202. Oh, I forgot that it was at Grange, but anyway, that's okay. I'm pretty sure it was J. Lou, but uh, I don't know. You can ask him about it. Uh, ask him about it when we have you uh, square off against him in the semifinals of the trivia tournament, which we'll talk sure. about after we get off air when we're going to do that. Um, 202, I put Malachi Richardson. Uh, after that, it was Lorenzo Brown at 175, Chris Boucher 172, Malcolm Miller 171. Uh, I think like Patrick McCaw. Oh no, Jody Meeks 163. Patrick McCaw. Oh, I screwed that up. Malcolm I, Miller. I forgot to change Patrick McCaw's number. It should be 156, not 163. Dummy. Uh, Oh god, I think I messed up the, the rankings. Anyway, uh, I'll do. I'll, <laughs> we're not supposed to reveal this much of me screwing up. After that, we've got uh, Jordan Lloyd at one thirty-three, pretty much based entirely on his existence in the Kawhi picture in the corner. Oh yeah. Uh, and then Greg Monroe one seventeen, and then I believe the next one is Jeremy Lin at one hundred. So that those are sort of the end of bench guys. What are your yeah. thoughts on where I put them? No, I like it. Uh, I know it might not be exciting, but I think they're all that. that that's they're all prop. They're properly rated. I think. You know, Monroe being high there makes sense because he actually contributed to the team this season. Like, yeah. you have to kind of take that into account. Uh, but then I think it's also equally important that, you know, the novelty of Jordan Lloyd, who is good. I think he's a good player, and I think he has a chance to be a decent, you know, NBA backup. But him being in that photo will be – I think that's going to, you know, be a photo that we'll see for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's really, really important. Um I the only one that I might change is I'd flip Lorenzo Brown and Chris Boucher, but Chris Boucher is Canadian, so he can he can stay one seventy two to me. Oh, interesting. I thought people were going to be more mad at me about where I had Boucher because Eh. like everyone loves him as sort of the garbage time gunner, and I certainly love him as the garbage time gunner. But I mean, he doesn't really do much useful. Do any? Play like what is it? Five point eight minutes a game. Yeah. Yeah, and most of yeah. that, like most of his production, came in that final game of the season against the Wolves. I think we had twenty, uh, yeah. or something, something nice in that game. Okay, yeah. no, I thought, yeah, I'm glad you're not that mad about that. I thought that would be of the guys that I thought I was going to get the most sort of ridicule about. It was yeah. putting 
uh, Boucher at one, like that low in the 170s, and then dropping C.J. Miles because I think people love C.J. Miles as a person. Um, yeah. But, you know, what are you going to do? I can't I mean, that's make the thing. Boucher, happen. I like him, but I think that the fact that his, also his story as a Raptor is not yet totally written. Eh, might be. Maybe, maybe it might be. That's true. <laughs> I guess it could be. But we don't know that right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, maybe it feels like he still has time to move up, but I don't know. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's fine. It's fine where he is. Uh, maybe as time goes on and we get more nostalgic about the championship team, we'll be like, listen, you get Gary Trent out of here and you put Chris Boucher at 115. <laughs> but um, I, think it's, I think it's okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move up into the sort of higher ranks, I guess sure. like top 75-ish, if you have any notes yeah. in there. Not a lot of movement in like the 40s and 50s, just kind of everyone with their natural drops based on uh, the guys being inserted ahead of them. So there's not much change there until we get to OG at around 44. Um, yep. He dropped as well. I think he was one of the only guys, him and CJ Miles were the only guys who actively lost standing based on right. how they played last season. Um, so he dropped six spots there when everyone around them was dropping four or five spots. Uh, what are your thoughts on OG's placing after the season from hell for him? Yeah, and that's the thing. I would sit, make the same argument I made with Boucher. I think it's okay because he's coming back, mm-hmm. and he, you know he seems to be part of the team's plans. And you got to drop him a little. Like that was you know absolutely no, through no fault of his own, just the worst possible kind of outcome for a sophomore season. Uh, I was reading an article about him the other day where he had uh, one of the uh, greatest disparity. This isn't going to be great because I can't remember what the stat it is now. But basically, it would, uh, I think it was cleaning the glass where they have like a projection for players like value added in season two, essentially. Right. And he had the greatest uh, drop off in NBA history um, from what they expected him to do in year two versus what he actually contributed. Huh. Um, and it was just based on cumulative counting stats and then they went out to point out all these other positive things that were there um but it was just like it does this this kind of a drop off in terms of efficiency and in terms of everything doesn't really happen and then you have to look at those underlying factors so just you know what happened with all the stuff with his dad and then his appendix exploding and then a concussion it's all just bullshit right like it's Mm -hmm. that it's like a it's a career's worth of bad luck in a season for the guy um, so you just hope that you saw some really uh, incredible flashes from him at time last year. Um, you know, stuff with him handling the ball and driving it, even stuff that you wouldn't have necessarily seen in his rookie season when he had more responsibility. So I, I think that, you know, that potential is still there, but I do think it's fair to drop him back just based on the results. Yeah, and I think I said this in the post. I think he's probably the leader in the clubhouse for – uh, most likely to make the biggest jump next next season when I when I do the update. Like he's at forty four now. If he jumps into the top thirty, I wouldn't be surprised because he's going to have the opportunity. That was like the biggest thing that was against it. I mean, aside from all the personal stuff and the injuries, like he just didn't have the opportunity last year, right? Like he was a starter, and then Kawhi Leonard comes in, and then also Danny Green comes in on the wing, and there's just nowhere for OG to go. And I'm not entirely surprised we saw a bit of a scale back. It wasn't like where you know. I think if Pascal Siakam hadn't played so well in the preseason, maybe OG gets some starts at the at the power forward spot, and we kind of see those two sort of platoon there the way we saw Serge and Jonas early on. But Siakam was just so undeniably awesome from the start that it just never made sense to give OG those minutes at the four. And then when you have Kawhi at the three, even with load management, there was just never really that much room for OG to sneak in there. So I think this year he should be the starter from day one. I don't see 
really where the competition would come from. His defense made real strides last year. Like, I think he was excellent defensively. He's always been really good on ball. You know, the off-ball stuff is always going to be a bit of an issue, but I think he's going to be really effective. And I think he stands among all the Raptors maybe as the guy who most is going to benefit from playing a full season with Marc Gasol. He's such a good cutter, and he's so good as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, and I just think... Gasol is going to create so many looks for him in that starting five, and he's going to have to take them because the starting five has a real vacuum of shots right now that needs to be filled, and I think OG is going to fill in some of that. And yep. just the, the looks he's going to get, I think, are going to be really, really nice because Gasol's a genius, and he's going to hit him cutting baseline. He's going to hit him for corner threes on the roll, and I think um, we're going to see a nice bounce back from OG this season, and I think him and Siakam are going to t- team up to be one of the better defensive tandems in the NBA, which is exciting yeah. and very fun. And it's pretty cool they didn't have to trade either of those guys to get the guy who won them a title. Uh, <laughs> Having them out there with Gasol and Lowry, like that's, you know, yeah. that's good, good, you know, smart defensive unit no matter what happens. Even if, you know, Lowry and Gasol are getting a little older, maybe you scale their minutes back a bit. But, you know, crunch time having those four guys on the floor, that's going to be pretty nasty. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's get into the top 30-ish region. Let's start with Wait, Patrick I, Patterson, can I, actually. Can I have one more quibble first? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Just quickly, Lindsey Hunter at 63. Shoot him back into the 100s. <laughs> he played 29 games with the team. He shot 35% from the floor, and he shot 30%, I think, or 31% from three. He was not good. He was, he was, he was actively bad, and he's too high. All right, I will take that under advisement and okay. consider that for the future. I don't entirely disagree. Although I did almost buy a Lindsey Hunter Raptors jersey at a vintage market last year. <laughs> yeah, great name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we went super long, myself and Dan, today. So I'm going to cut this episode here, and then we'll come back tomorrow as we get into the nitty-gritty of the top 30 or so of the rankings. We'll start with the talk about Patrick Patterson, get into Danny Green, Marc Gasol, Norm Powell, and then, of course, wrap things up with the top of the list, where Kawhi Leonard fits in, where Pascal Siakam jumped to, all that stuff. Uh, Again, if you want to read Ranking Every Raptor, you can do that at RaptorsHQ.com. It's very easily readily available for you. If you want to prepare yourself for the next section of the podcast, uh, and thank you so much for tuning in today. You can subscribe, rate, review, as always, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. It's deeply appreciated if you leave those reviews. It helps us immensely get up into the rankings and all that good stuff, and uh, that's about it for today. Again, we'll be back tomorrow with another portion of this podcast with Dan Grant, and then on Thursday, I'm going to be joined by our pal Vivek Jacob as we dive into... Another one of the preseason pressing questions for the Raptors. Haven't decided which one it is yet, but we will get to that on Thursday, and then we'll wrap up the show on Friday again with another episode as we get back to daily here. Very exciting stuff. I'm rejuvenated. I'm re-energized. I'm ready to get going here, and thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.